This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. Welcome to episode 272, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. This is Glenn Wheeler here with Mi'kmaq Matters correspondent, Greg Janes. And Greg, we've got a lot to talk about this week. We have a new regional chief, and we want to talk about how Brendan Mitchell got that job. And what are the implications for Halibu now that he will soon be gone from the chief's office, or at least gone across town to his new office as regional chief? We also want to check in on developments regarding the Federation of Newfoundland Indians, the FNI, specifically the court case and the implications for efforts to get Indian status back for Armed Forces veterans and RCMP. And Greg, a story that has a personal element for you because your name is on one of those 840 or so envelopes about to be sent out, but delayed on someone's desk because of that lawsuit. Now, to start, as first reported by Mi'kmaq Matters, Halibut Chief Brendan Mitchell is now Regional Chief representing the island of Newfoundland at the Assembly of First Nations. He surprised many by running because he became the interim Regional Chief on the basis that he would not seek the permanent position, but he did anyway. And now, an even bigger surprise for many is that he was hired for the permanent job in light of a decade at Halibu marked by, let's say, disappointing results on matters such as urban reserve, a food, social, and ceremonial fishing license, and the list goes on. This is what we know. There were six people present for the interviews in Deer Lake on October 27th. Andrew John, who was general manager of Mabigak First Nation, coordinated the process, and he was with Vanessa King, his assistant from Mabigak. And we had four representatives of AFN affiliates who get to vote on the regional chief, Mizell Joe, chief of Mabigak, Marie Vaders, chief of Glenwood First Nation, Joanna Miles, chief of the Flat Bay Band, and Terry Green casting the proxy vote for Halibu since Brendan Mitchell was a candidate. Now, Mitchell tried to have his loyal supporter, Central Vice Chief Andy Barker, cast the Halibu vote, but a faction of Halibu Council led by Western Vice Chief Jenny Brake got the proxy vote assigned to Terry Green, who is the ward councillor for Benoit's Cove. Now, Greg, in light of those developments, we expected the Halibu vote might go elsewhere. But we hear that Terry Green was, from the get-go, in support of Brendan Mitchell and was the holdout that got him into the job. And what are we hearing about that? Um, Right, Glenn. So from my sources that I had talked to uh, throughout since this announcement was um, because I believe that everyone was in shock. Um, 
that Terry uh, did put up a fight to have him um, elected as as uh, regional chief. Uh, and the excuse that I've been given for that is because they just wanted him out of Halibut First Nation. Um, so it is unconfirmed at this point, but there certainly are a lot of uh, chatter out there. And, um, you know, even the candidates want to know um, how how this would happen. And they certainly want to know um, the process in this because a few states have felt that, uh, you know, they just put their name forward for, for uh, nothing really other than wasted time so it's really surprising that um you know to hear that uh terry green would hold out uh for this um i've heard a lot of chatter back from other people from other uh first nation bands that this is certainly not the way that they wanted to go but here we are uh right now uh we still have brenda mitchell as chief of available first nation until we until there's a new interim chief uh, until then, um, you know, uh, until that's done, the locks will be changed and uh, business will go on. Mm. We uh, reached out to Terry Green uh, about what happened, and this is what she said in a message to us. She said, all I will say, and you can quote me on this, my hope is for the Newfoundland AFN Regional Chief to begin the hard work of mending relationships required to become a strong voice for NL at the AFN. So that's what Terry Green uh, told us. She didn't say anything about uh, uh, how she voted or how the uh, Brenda Mitchell output uh, came to be. But uh, Greg, it's a bit surprising that uh, they would uh, vote for him or she would vote for him to get him out of Halibut because he would have been gone in a year uh, anyway, since the, uh, the election is uh, for Halibut chief and council is uh, October, uh, 2024. And uh, he was not expected to run again. And, uh, but now uh, he'll be starting a three-year term and perhaps there'll be a three-year term after that and another three-year term after that. So uh, in a way they're going to have him around longer than he would have been otherwise if they, um, uh, had uh, voted for someone else. Right. And, um, you know, Glenn, it could be as well, there could be a feeling amongst councillors that if Brennan did run for, for um, chief again, that there was enough support for him and then they would have him even longer. Uh, but uh, to have him out of the office, they feel that it is a good thing. And, and you know, people are wel welcoming Brendan Mitchell as the new um, AFN chief. But there are people who, uh, who wish him uh, nothing but the best and uh, goodbye from Halibut. And they want to see a refreshing of um, things need to get done there. Because if there's counselors there, that feels like they're just spinning their wheels and they're just in a uh, stalemate right now. So, um, yes, very surprising events. But uh, some people look at this as a win-win as well. Mm. Now, let's uh, talk about what will happen at Halibut because uh, uh, Brendan Mitchell has not yet officially resigned as the Halibut chief, so he's still Halibut chief. But uh, when he does resign, uh, Halibut councillors will have to find out how to fill in for uh, the departure of the chief. So we, under uh, we understand that they've been looking at the bylaws and they've gone to the lawyers and... Uh, 
the way uh, it will work is that there'll be a choice between the two vice chiefs, between Western Vice Chief Jenny Brake and Central Vice Chief uh, Andy Barker, although some councillors were rooting around in the bylaws and said and wondered if uh, the one of the vice chiefs just assumed the duties of without actually becoming uh, the chief. But um, we understand that the lawyers are saying that one of the vice chiefs will actually take on the title of interim uh, chief. Is that uh, is that what you're hearing? That's what I'm hearing, um, Glenda, is that they sent the bylaws and and the elections back to the lawyers to make sure it was ironclad and they can make some really uh, legal decisions here without any hiccups. So until that is done, until they get the books back and give them the green light, uh, we should see Brenda Mitchell then, um, um, or council, appoint a, a new interim chief until elections are held next year. So um, I guess they want to uh, cross their T's and dot their I's on this one as well. Hmm. So it's going to be, uh, is either going to be Jenny Brake or Andy Barker, who will be the interim chief from now until October. Uh, well, I guess until the end of 2024, because the new chief would take over in January of uh, 2025. Um, and um, is it a foregone conclusion that Jenny Brake will be the the new chief or do you think that Andy Barker will offer and get support also? Certainly what I'm hearing from everyone that I speak to is that uh, everyone's in Jenny's uh, in Jenny's camp right now. She, uh, they feel that Jenny is the, the person that really can pull this off and bring this council together and, and get the job done right now. I haven't heard much about Andy right now, other than, I was very surprised that he may be even interested in the job, but until that is officially made uh, type thing, I'm, I'm hearing nothing but good for Jenny. Mm. Or so uh, there might be some uh, Andy uh, being from central. We'll see how those central people, Frank Skeert, uh, uh, Charlene Comden, uh, Calvin Francis, et cetera, how they vote. Um, and uh, Greg, um, uh, any, any, uh, what councillors have said uh, for the first two years of this uh, term is that uh, they always blame uh, lack of leadership dysfunction, Brendan Mitchell can't run a meeting, et cetera. But now they won't have uh, Brendan Mitchell to to blame. So if Jenny Brake does become uh, interim chief, she's going to have to deliver something uh, between now and um and uh, the rest at uh, the end of the rest of the term, because if she wants to become chief on a permanent basis, uh, this will be her, uh, she's kind of in her probationary trial period uh, if she becomes the the acting chief um, uh, when Brenda Mitchell is finally gone. Uh, right, Glenn. So whoever they decide who's interim chief of Halibut until elections, um, they have to come out of the blocks, uh, you know, at a very quick pace here and that because there is not much time to turn the bus around. Um, the road is not going to be easy for either one of them, uh, but they certainly need to signal to to its membership that, uh, you know, things are all in well and things are on a different path now. So not much time to do it, uh, but, um, you know, people have a certain um, expectation uh, off, off the new chiefs coming in, whether they can meet that, uh, we'll find out at the polls. 
Mm. So we understand that Brendan Mitchell is looking for office space uh, and he's looking for an assistant and uh, he will soon be gone uh, from the Halibut office. But I guess the question is whether he'll be gone from um, the uh, from the scene and, and whether he'll be uh, appearing at uh, meetings and ceremonies and um, and making his presence felt as uh, as regional chief. Uh, He's. Uh, we know that he's a person who likes uh, who likes to have his say and uh, make his opinions known. And Greg, um, I understand uh, at the uh, Remembrance Day event uh, in Cornerbrook, November eleventh, there was a uh, an episode uh, regarding uh, uh, Brendan Mitchell that uh, some people. Uh, did not like uh, because they, they thought it was inappropriate. And can you tell us what happened regarding the laying of the wreaths? All right, Grant. Uh, so this year's Remembrance Day here in Cornerbrook has been unprecedented. It's one that has never been put together before because it was very special because we had all the companies and battalions together for the first time in a very long time uh, on a Remembrance Day. So things were tight. Things were sit to a very, very tight schedule. And we had to scale it back this year on who gets to lay a wreath. So there had to be a pecking order on the, uh, to do that. And of course the government of Canada and everything, the representatives always come first. And we told them that they could only lay one wreath per organization. Halibut, although has purchased three wreaths, but were informed that they could not lay all three wreaths at one time, just one for Halibut First Nation. And that was relayed quite clearly by the Legion itself. And when it came time to lay the reef for Halibut First Nation, Halibut had their three reefs and wanted and chief wanted those people to lay the reefs and be announced as well. Uh, the organizers off the event, um, you know, because of timing and how to respect did not want to uh, make an argument in front of who was standing there. Now, here I am in the ranks and I see a commotion going over behind a tent in front of the RNC. Um, you know, this is, um, you know, Mr. Mitchell wanting to get his own way. And, and yes, he did. Um, they were allowed to lay the three wreaths. And again, as I would say, out of the, the Legionnaires did not want to cause incident at that day, but onlookers uh, certainly did take notice and some very close people to him who know him personally and have been supporters of him have said to me uh, after that, wow, this is a side of Brendan I've never seen before. So um, whatever the cause is to make such a spectacle on such a day, a, a very special day, we thought, uh, you know, was very, very off cuff. And uh, this will be discussed further within the leader ranks and, and, and with the organizers as well. Hmm. Now, Greg, uh, speaking of veterans, uh, we are still waiting for answers on the applications from uh, the hundreds of veterans who applied to have their status returned <clears throat> as a result of that deal between uh, FNI slash Halibu hatched in 2018. Um, uh, the uh, the parties 
decided to proceed on the veterans RCMP file, not on former FNI members, but on the veterans RCMP file. We've gone through the process and it's, uh, we understand it's almost complete. Uh, all that needs to be done is the, the letters to be mailed out saying you're accepted or denied. But we understand that uh, the federal government, Canada, is using the FNI court case, the, the case, the Benoit case brought by Friends of Halibu, in which we've had a decision from the Supreme Court of Newfoundland and Labrador, now under appeal at the Court of Appeal, appeal scheduled for February of 2024. And, uh, of course, the issue in that case uh, is... Uh, is who is uh, the FNI board, and um, the uh, as a result of, court, of the court case, it may be that uh, rather than Halibut councillors, uh, the chiefs of the FNI bands will take over. But that's that's uh, that seems to be a very uh, distinct issue than the veterans file. It's hard to know why that would stop um, the the veterans and RCMP from. Uh, having their process com complete since there's nothing in the court case dealing with that. So, but we hear that um, uh, Canada is saying, no, everything must come to a halt until these court cases are, are complete. What, what are you hearing about uh, the status of those uh, veterans files? Glenn, here we go again. It's been nearly six years and um, our, our veterans and RCMP members net F, been told once again to, uh, you know, stand by and wait out. Now, being veterans, that we are used to, uh, you know, not always having timings met, but we are are always used to having a logical answer to those questions. And if I can take you back for a bit, when Canada said we're not going to speak about to to the FNI any longer, but we will entertain the uh, veterans. Uh, establishment getting their status back so talks continued there was an agreement it was not the best agreement but it was felt by by us that it's the best agreement that we can get so the halibut first nation efni and canada finally had agreement so it went for ratification by its membership the ratification that vote said yes we'll accept those veterans back so now we know over 840 veterans applied for status. There was, there was over 840 veterans at over an 82% acceptance rate out of those 840. So that's a pretty, pretty uh, good number right there. And now we're being told that it was 92% complete. Everything's been done. Uh, the applications were sent out, mailed in. The enrollment committee done their job. The enrollment committee no longer can proceed any further because their job is done. So all that needs to happen from the federal government right now is to hit print and send those letters out. And what, they're, what they are saying, and they knew at the time that these court cases still went were going on because they said, well, we're not going to talk F&I because there's court cases still going on, but we'll talk we'll talk uh, veterans now because it seems to be a more doable avenue. Um, now that it's been done, here we are again, and there's some very, very upset veterans here at being told that, um, you know, by their government to mark time once again, once they have jumped through loops, 
and loopholes and, and, you know, done everything they possibly can, uh, you know, and veterans are coming back to me very, very upset, not for themselves, not being, uh, you know, they, they feel so strung out right now that their government are not providing the answers. Uh, when I approached Brendan Mitchell uh, to give me some answers on this and what the legalities around why the FNI and everything would be on hold, he says, I can't speak for the FNI right now because I'm no longer your president. I said, can you give me an explanation in Halibut terms as chief of Halibut? He said, no, I can't even do that right now. You should ask the federal government. So I go and ask the federal government and our, our uh, MP Goody Hutchings, and I've been talking to her, her aides right now. And so she will get back to me, but I'm being told that there is a press release being um, being being done up right now. Um, it's in the hands of the legal beagles and, you know, they want to examine everything, make sure it's the right wording. But again, our veterans are the ones who are suffering between, uh, you know, the FNI, Halibut and Canada, they're being held hostage for something that they never intended. So when we look at the court case of the FNI, we're just being told to wait for proceedings to happen. And we know that that this can take another, and I don't want to get anyone's hopes down, but the legal wranglings can go on for years right now. Right. So uh, we're now... Uh into uh, well into november and then uh, december of course will be half a month with the holidays so it looks like we're going to be into 2024 uh, before we uh before we we hear anything so uh and more more delay more delay and that means more delay for the children out there veterans who are looking for things like uh to apply for jordan's principal for their for their children uh who have learning disabilities, who have physical disabilities. That, that means more months delayed before they can get the, the services that they're entitled to as First Nations people. We'll be waiting for that, uh, for that press release. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Big Bomb Matters. Hillary McGinnis is our researcher. For Greg James, this is Glenn Wheeler saying, Emson O'Connor.